Hey y'all, Pastor Amel here with uh, another episode of Sweet Jesus. Uh, gonna do Tuesday tunes. Gonna t- check out a song uh, that uh, was recommended by Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much. Tagged you in the uh, post here on Facebook, and it's a great song. It's a Corey Asbury song. It's called Reckless Love. It's a great, great song. Uh, I'd actually done a prayer. I, I do these prayers, uh, well, not every morning, but it's been a while, actually, a week or so since I've done one. But uh, I did one with uh, Reckless Love where I included a, a video for the uh, devotional prayer to go along with it and go along with the Bible passage. It's a great, great song. And I'm excited to spend some time talking about it with you. It's uh, There's so much. I started spending some time digging in to try and find, you know, some scripture to go along with a lot of what they talk about in the song. And man, there's just so much. Sometimes I sit down and think, oh, there's this, there's this, there's this. And I just kind of keep going. You see, I've got, well, those of you watching a video of this, it's backwards for you, but it's also a messy page. And that's just one page. There's another page on the back. And so lots and lots and lots we could talk about. Uh, hopefully it is helpful, and hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully it's meaningful. So here's how it goes. starts out, Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. <clears throat> you have been so, so kind to me. So it's kind of really just praise, you know, the you know, hey, God, you're good. God is good. God is kind. And before I ever did anything, before I was speaking, before I even took a breath, you were being good to me. You were demonstrating love, right? So again, the name of the song is Reckless Love, and it's just kind of God's incredible love. And he's doing things He's blessing us long before we can ever do anything in return. We can't thank him. Uh, We couldn't possibly have earned it. He's done it. He's initiated the relationship uh, by creating us. Uh, We actually read this in our men's life group last night, uh, Genesis chapter 2, looking at kind of creation and all this kind of stuff, looking in Genesis. And, you know, why did God do all this? Why did he create? Why did he... He just loves. That's what love does. Love gives. Love creates. Love blesses, right? And so here he starts out in this song just praising God for that. You know, as far as uh, Bible passages, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 gets thrown around a lot when we're talking about this. Um, You know, in my mother's womb you knew me. Psalm 139, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And so this is kind of what he's getting at, that the Lord is good. The Lord is good apart from anything we do to earn it. The Lord is good before, I mean, we even exist. He's being good to us by giving us life. Uh, There's lots of Psalms that talk about this. I think Psalm 136 goes into, it's a repeated refrain where uh, it says, Thank the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. 
you know, thank the God of gods, the Lord of lords, for he is good. His love endures forever. You know, just kind of keeps going on and on and on, talking about the Lord's goodness, the way he's demonstrated that goodness. Uh, Psalm 34, 8, one that uh, I think I'm going to use a lot for sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. And, you know, this isn't something that's just for religious people. This isn't something that's just for people that go to church, uh, that are good people. God is good to everybody. He is. There is a passage in Matthew chapter 5. It's actually a passage that... uh, I heard used out of context one time when I was in a pretty uh, rough spot, I guess. I was in uh, the hospital, and it took him a while, took him a few days to finally figure out that, oh, what's wrong with this guy? His appendix is about to burst. <laughs> so, But I remember being in there, and there were some friends from church. The church I was at, I was away at college, and so uh, there were some great people, uh, some really, really great people that were kind of looking after me that uh, came to the hospital to see me just before they're wheeling me off to surgery to have my appendix taken out. And there was a guy there, great guy. He led a small group that I was going to each week. And he said, he quoted this Bible passage and he said, uh, you know, God sends his reign on the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. And what he was trying to say, I think, was that you know, bad things happen to everybody. You know, bad things don't just happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people, too. And he's right, and that's true. But I don't think that's the point of this passage. <laughs> so it's uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45. Jesus, this is the Sermon on the Mount, pretty extensive section, chapter 5, 6, 7 of uh, Matthew. And he says, but I say to you, right, so actually if we go to verse 30, 43 to kind of give you a little more context, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. And this is, this is the part uh, that I was talking about next. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So, well-meaning. I appreciate the guy. You know, it was so, had such an impact on me. I still remember that moment. I, I mean, I was drugged up. I was a mess. I was in pain. Just total fog going on in my brain at the time. And I remember that. I remember that he was there. His wife was there. There was this other couple. They were there. And the doctor's coming in, nurse is coming in, and they're going to wheel me out. And uh, they prayed just before that happened, and he mentioned that, you know, this Bible verse. But actually, the meaning, I think, of the verse is the opposite. The opposite of that would be that God blesses everybody. God is so good that he doesn't just bless people that are good. He blesses all people. He doesn't just bless people that love him and follow him and and do as he commands. He blesses everybody, and that's good because nobody really does what he commands. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later on in this conversation, but uh, maybe another time. 
but he loves everybody. I mean, the fact that the world is turning, that as awful as things may seem at times, that it's not gone completely off the rails, that uh, most people have food in their belly and a roof over their heads and, and lots of other things to, to kind of keep them from absolute unmitigated disaster, that is a demonstration of God's goodness. He makes his sun to rise on the just and the unjust. He makes his rain to fall on the just and the unjust as well. And, and you know, we, I, I think what the guy, you know, my friend from, you know, back in college, church days, what he was probably doing was thinking rain is a bad thing. But uh, maybe you all know a country song says rain is a good thing. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go into that right now because not sure it's 100% appropriate for a Sweet Jesus podcast, but hey, you know, uh, well, hey, why not? Uh, rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey, and whiskey makes my baby a little bit, you finish it up. You, th- you figure out what that uh, <laughs> might just be. Okay, but that's the song. Rain is a good thing, right? Rain brings crops, sun uh, allows crops to grow, and that feeds people. And and as God is continuing to do that, just the natural processes of the world, uh, the water cycle and the rotation of the earth and all of those things are just God being good to us. Um, No, uh, Sean has got a comment here. I'd like to see you sing that song. No, thanks. I'd like to see you sing that song. How about that? Uh, Maybe you can do that sometime soon. You guys are pretty good musicians. Give it a shot, man. All right. (laughs) All right. Sorry about that. Uh, So yeah, Jesus is saying that if we want to be sons of our Father who is in heaven, our Father in heaven loves even enemies. Our Father in heaven loves people that are persecuting him. Our Father in heaven loves people that have done nothing good, that have done all kinds of awfulness. Okay, and and lest you think that that's only certain people and not you, let me read a passage for you from Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. I actually thought I had this spot saved, but apparently not. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. One of my favorites something I come back to a lot, not just for my own comfort, but also as encouragement to live a particular way. Uh, Paul in Romans 5.80 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, in verse 10, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. So we are all enemies of God, okay? Uh, Or at least we we were, uh, apart from what he has done for us in Jesus and the faith he's worked in us and all that. Uh, Romans 3, uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, there's a bunch of other passages there that, that basically say that same thing, that you know we were outright against God, opposed to God, and still he came in the person of his son Jesus, and he endured it all. He, he 
he he absorbed all of that awfulness because he loved us. So that's kind of uh, something to think about. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You are so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed life, your life in me. You've been so, so kind to me. God is good all the time to all people. And uh, when you stop to think about it, it's, uh, it's pretty astounding. God is so good that God even uses things that other people use for evil and he uses them for good. Uh, I'm thinking of Genesis chapter 50, the story of Joseph. Joseph is a great story for, for that. Um, here's a guy who was thrown into a pit and sold as a slave by his brothers. He was a slave in Egypt, wound up in prison a couple of times. Uh, just so much pain and suffering and brokenness and turmoil in this guy's life. And at the end of his life, when he, he's confronted with his brothers, once again standing before him, he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God somehow took it and used it for good purposes because he loves me, even though he knew you were going to do all this awful stuff. And so God is that good all the time uh, to all of us, even when we don't recognize it. So, All right, that's just the first verse. Uh, we got to get moving here. Chorus, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. There's a lot there. Uh, you know, we could spend an awful long time and in talking about this. I'll try and boil it down, I guess. You know, the, the reckless love idea, I think, is getting at the word prodigal. So if you're familiar with the story of the prodigal son, this is Luke chapter 15. Talked about this a little bit recently. I forget where. Maybe it was here uh, for something. But uh, there's three stories there. There's the story of the lost sheep. You know, what does a guy do who has 100 sheep and he loses one? He leaves the 99, he goes out into the open country, and he chases after the one until he finds it. And then the parable of the lost coin. There's a woman, she's got 10 coins, she loses one. What does she do? She keeps searching high and low with her lamp, uh, trying to find it. And then the last story in Luke 15 about a son who... who demands his inheritance ahead of time, wishes his father was dead, says it to his face. Father gives him the inheritance. He goes off. He squanders it. He, he goes about living a licentious life, uh, a terrible life, a sinful life, uh, a life invested in all the wrong things. And then at the end, he is just, he's got nothing left but to turn around and go back to his father and say, hey, listen, you know, I know I screwed up. Uh, I can't be your son anymore, but, you know, hey, let me uh, be a hired servant. Let me at least try and earn my way back. And the father sees this guy a long way off, and he runs after him. He runs out to him, 
And before he can even repent, before he can even like get the words out about, hey, I'm sorry, I really screwed up, and hey, all the things that he had rehearsed ahead of time, you know, he just welcomes him, embraces him, hugs him, kisses him, tells the servants to uh, start throwing a party for him to make him a son again, to to give him a robe, to kill the fattened calf, to put a ring on his finger, you know, put him back in the family again, welcome him with open arms. That's the kind of reckless love I think he's getting at here. Uh, we talk about, the, again, the prodigal son, and we think of the reckless living of the son, but uh, I've heard some talk about the reckless love of God. It was actually before Corey Asbury. Uh, there's actually a book, Tim Keller, Prodigal God, goes into that a little bit. So the idea being that God is the one who is reckless in that story. Yes, the, the son is reckless, but actually God is the reckless one. He just gives his love just unconditionally, without limit, just throws it out there. Uh, even for people like this son who had disrespected him and wished he was dead, squandered an inheritance, all of this stuff, right? So let's, uh, what else we got here? There's also a parallel passage there. Matthew 18 kind of talks about a lost sheep. What does he do? He, he keeps going until he finds it. Um, I actually have that one here. Let's see. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels have, angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And I think the Luke 15 passage brings something out nice that that doesn't quite come out there, but he goes after it until he finds it. That's the kind of reckless love we're talking about here. He chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99... I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Uh, there's a lot in the Bible about how we can't earn it. Uh, Isaiah 64, I think it's verse 6, says something about our good works, our righteousness, our righteous deeds being like filthy rags before the Lord. You know, so the idea is like even our good stuff, even the stuff we're trying to do that's good, you know, to, to combat sort of the evil and the sinful stuff that we do each day, you know, even when we do the good stuff, we are so broken. And, and, and we are such enemies of God that even when we're doing good stuff, it is just saturated in our sin and unworthiness. It is just full of self-interest. It's full of, uh, you know, self-serving uh, purposes, right? So so even when we're doing good things, it's like we're trying to balance out all the bad, and we're trying to convince ourselves and convince God and convince other people that we're really good. 
and that we deserve more than the person next to us or or somewhere else, some other person. And and I think this brings it out really, really nicely, you know. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Yeah. Uh, Galatians 2.21 says, If righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If there was something about us earning it and being good and getting it all right and squared away that had any role in us being saved or forgiven or, or you know, rewarded or, or whatever with eternity in heaven and all that kind of stuff, then what the heck did Jesus come to do? <laughs> Why would he go through that absolute agony... If we could earn it, if, if there was something we could do about the fact that we'd been disconnected from God, that we'd wandered from God, that we're that one that wandered away. So, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Well, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. First Corinthians 13 talks about love. Spent a lot of time reading that uh, last couple of months. Uh, maybe you guys are doing the 2020 Love Challenge, reading through First Corinthians 13 each day. I haven't done it each day in a while, but uh, you know, I still got it kind of fresh on the brain. It goes through all kinds of things. Love is patient. Love is kind. And go through that whole thing, and then towards the end, love never ends. Love never fails, depending on your translation. Jesus, the embodiment of the lengths to which God will go, God will enter into the disastrous mess that we created himself. He will suffer the effects of what sin has wrought on our world. He will allow the people that he has come to save mistreat him, beat him, arrest him, falsely accuse him, put him through a mockery of a trial, choose an insurrectionist, a real criminal, a terrorist over their Savior, beat him, nail him to a cross, watch him die. That's the lengths to which God will go with his overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, I haven't died for any enemies. I haven't died for people that were <laughs> just hating my guts, looking to find ways to trip me up. Uh, I mean, I've had some interesting dealings with people that were kind of out to get me, or so it felt, so it seemed. And, you know, in those moments when you're suffering, when you're being, when you're enduring things that, uh, you know, you never thought you'd endure, never wanted to endure, 
hoped you would get through didn't necessarily get through. Um, you begin to appreciate what Jesus actually did. And if you haven't taken time to think about that, and, and to put yourself in that situation, and to try and reflect on it from Jesus's perspective, and how you might see that in your own life, man, you're missing out. It, it's probably causing you to not really think Jesus is all that important. And that's a mistake. Because <laughs> there are times when you got nothing except Jesus. And in those moments you realize that, well, that's all you really need. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about some of that tomorrow, actually. I got Brother Greg coming back in for Sweet Jesus, and uh, we're going to talk about the way churches and Christians tend to abuse people, spiritually abuse people, uh, spiritual abuse, church abuse. So tune in for that tomorrow. All right, the rest of the song here. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. But you have been so, so kind to me. So here's kind of this permanent paradox that you have to kind of maintain to be a Christian. You have to, at the same time, remember always and forever that you can't possibly earn it, that you even your good deeds are saturated with sin, but also that you are so precious and so loved and so special to God that he was willing to send Jesus to endure all that he endured for you. Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to go through the most awful agony that anyone would ever endure. Uh, Maybe you've heard me say this before, but uh, when Jesus is on the cross... The worst part of that whole experience wasn't necessarily the nails. It it wasn't the, the pain from the beating and the wounds and the blood and the crown of thorns. It wasn't the mocking. It wasn't the taunts from the crowds. It was the fact that he was being cut off from his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you have any experience uh, losing or, or ending a relationship of any kind, friendship, uh, even just kind of an acquaintance, if it, if it kind of falls apart, right? It can be painful. It's one of the most painful things you can endure. But if you think about it for a little bit and you go, all right, so if if something happens to somebody, you know, I happen to know but didn't really know, if they suddenly don't like me and unfriend me on Facebook or something, right, they don't like a post, but they were really just like a coworker from like 25 years ago or, or yeah, maybe I went to high school with them or, or whatever the case is, you go, eh, whatever. But if that person is somebody that's a good friend, a best friend, it hurts a lot more. Now, if that person is a spouse, 
if that person is a parent. The more intimate, the more deeply connected the relationship, and the longer the amount of time that you're in that relationship, the more painful the breakup, the more, more painful it is to end that relationship. Now imagine that you are Jesus. Okay? We are talking about the Trinity, the most intimate relationship, the, the closest relationship, the most full of love a relationship full of love that that has ever existed. And then you think about the fact that that relationship has existed for eternity. So multiply whatever pain you've experienced, however long you've known the person, however deeply connected the relationship, multiply it by infinity. And that's the kind of pain that Jesus is enduring when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So yes, we're pretty awful. <laughs> we're pretty self-serving and selfish and sinful. But we are also at the exact same time far more loved than we could ever imagine, far more than anyone else in this life will ever ever be able to express. Although I think Corey Asbury does a pretty good job here. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. Then we got kind of a bridge here after after the chorus once again. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending. Reckless love of God. All right, the bridge. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Man, we could spend an awful lot of time just talking about this. But probably need to wrap this up here shortly. Um... So Jesus is the light of the world. In him there is no darkness at all. This is uh, John 1, 5 and uh, John 3, verse 19, I think, and following talks about, you know, God being a light and lighting up things and people that have dark deeds that aren't of God. They, they don't want to be in the light because the light lights up the darkness, lights up and, and illumines the things that are going on. And so I think part of what's going on here is that there is nothing that God won't be willing to light up, reveal, to help you see your need for him. And that that can be very painful. It's I think one of the big reasons why a lot of people don't come to Jesus, don't embrace Christianity is because it's it's hard. It's hard to see the truth about us and and the truth about our hearts and our lives. Uh, but we also then miss out on the fact that he loves us despite all of that. In fact, the more we see that stuff, the more I think we can really go. Again, this is that paradox where we have both of these things going on at the same time. The more we see that, the more we can actually go, 
Oh my goodness, I can't believe God loves me. He did this for me, even though I've done this, 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 and this, even though I'm, this, I'm really this at heart and in the core of my being, and yet he still did this. But I also think there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. is also just kind of like if you imagine, uh, I don't know, I've got a picture of like a movie or a TV show in my head. Somebody, you know, they're, they're doing a search for a missing person or a missing child or something, and they've got their lanterns or their flashlights, and, and they are just looking in every nook and cranny and crevice and trying to find a person, trying to find someone. And that's the image of God. If you know Jesus, hallelujah, know that he has done that for you, know that he is doing that for you every day. He is constantly pursuing you, even though we fail to pursue him regularly. Trying to get your attention, trying to help you see just how much he loves you and just how much he has in mind for you. The great plans he has, the hope and uh, hopeful future he has in mind for you. If you don't know Jesus, uh, you know, and you're listening to this, he, he's doing this for you right now. <laughs> he is lighting up every shadow, climbing up every mountain that we throw up, uh, knocking down every wall, tearing down every lie, all the lies that we believe about God, about Jesus, about faith and life, every lie we believe about ourselves, every lie we believe about how we are saved and, and how we can know we're loved, right? The world tells us, well, you just got to look good and smell good and make some money and uh, have a good life and, and, and you'll have it all. And, and that'll make God bless you and that'll make God accept you. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 that, that's never going to cut it. You are never going to have peace. You're always going to keep trying. You're going to keep striving. You're going to keep trying to find a way to base the security of your salvation on something. You're going to keep finding, looking for that thing. And so he's tearing down those lies time and time again, allowing you to fail at times, allowing you to suffer at times so that you can see the suffering he endured for you so that you can see just how much he has done for you. Uh, that kind of bridge, that bridge section kind of repeats a few times. And then the chorus again, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, Reckless love of God. All right, guys. This is fun. It's a great song. Thanks, Sarah. And uh, you got any other songs, let me know. I'm going to try and stay on top of this thing on Tuesdays. It's been tough, but uh, we'll give it a shot. Tune in tomorrow. We got Wednesday with Brother Greg, and again, we're going to talk about church abuse, spiritual abuse, some big things have happened in our area at churches. You know, I've got some stories. Sounds like Brother Greg's got some stories. I've reached out to a few folks I know that have been through hell <laughs> at the hands of uh, Christians and churches, and um, 
you know, I, th- I, ho- I hope it's a blessing to you. But for now, just remember that, uh, yeah, you can't earn it. Yeah, you're, you're not nearly as good as you think you are. Um, God isn't really all that excited about all the good stuff you think you've done, uh, but he loves you absolutely, completely, unconditionally. He has done it all in Jesus. And uh, he loved you before you took a breath. He loved you uh, before you were born. And uh, he's got great plans for you in his kingdom now and always. God bless you. See ya. Bye.